This is everything you want to know about non-clinical careers for physicians. For Third Evolution, I'm your host, Robert Pretty. Let's talk about the power of inertia in your career transition. You know, I live in Colorado, and out here, avalanche season is nothing to joke about. And I'm not talking about our hockey team, which sometimes is something to joke about. But think about a mountain avalanche in the context of your career. An avalanche is simply a massive block of snow, that is, before it actually begins to move and becomes an avalanche, before it starts to move and pick up inertia. It's just simply there, doing nothing. But once it starts to move, you had better get out of its way because it won't stop until it reaches its goal. The same could be or should be said about your career transition. Until you start to move, you're just there. You're doing nothing. Maybe you are thinking, maybe you are pondering, but you're not moving. And until you move, nothing is really going to happen. At least nothing positive, nothing life or career changing is going to happen. I used to have a colleague who had a sign on his desk that read, nothing happens until somebody sells something. Well, it's exactly right. And nothing gets sold, and that includes you, until you start to move. I address the issue of inertia daily with clients. Those of you who work with me or have spoken with me or listened to past podcasts or even read information on my website, well, you know that movement, literally and virtually getting yourself in the same room with the people you want to work for and work with, that is your objective. That's where something happens. But let me tell you how I see your non-clinical career transition moving successfully. And this time, let's compare it to your treatment of your patients. Your patient takes a sometimes first and positive step by visiting you. Once they take that step, the inertia begins. You can start helping them. And with most patients, those disease management or procedural recovery issues may have some ups and downs. Often, purely the inertia will keep them going. After all, who wants to have lost 10 pounds only to stop and regain 15 and then have to start their weight loss regimen all over again? Inertia has value. But if you're sitting in your office asking yourself what's next and simply deciding that you don't know, then inertia is something to overcome. How do you do it? How do you overcome the body at rest level of inertia? What I find when speaking with so many physicians is that they can enumerate some sense of where they believe they might like to see their career transition go, but they're stymied by the first step. How do you start? Well, let's go back to your patient encounter. Where did your patient start? Your patient began by talking to you. Now, that may not have been an easy choice or decision. After all, sometimes we really don't want to face the facts. What we want is someone to listen to us whine or complain or however else you decide to describe various acts of avoidance, avoidance of movement. Regardless, do the same thing your patient did. Look for someone you trust someone with some expertise to listen to your chief complaint, your chief objectives, and to offer some advice. And let me stress this, don't hesitate to get a second, a third, a fourth opinion. Your reasons to seek advice are more subjective than your patients, so various perspectives will certainly prove helpful to you. Begin the conversations and you're beginning your positive inertia. Once it begins, the next step is to keep your inertia moving. How? Well, what I suggest is this, never end a conversation. That is, always look for the next step. With your patients, 
Care and advice never stops. You would never say to a patient, well, John, looks like you, you've accomplished all you can. It's time to stop seeing me. No, there's always another step. There is always a next. So with each conversation, you need to be asking yourself, what is or what should be next? What should I be asking for and thinking about or recommending in order to keep this process moving? Perhaps you'll ask questions that dictate a follow-up. Perhaps you should ask for recommendations of other people to speak with or even events or functions to attend. Or you may make, you may make suggestions that further engage you with the person you're speaking with. Regardless of the exact definition of next, there must be a next. Working with clients, I often draw a, what's called a frame diagram or a hierarchical structure like an organizational chart. You know what that looks like. You have one entity at the top with more entities below and more below each one of those. Again, the way an organization, if you structured with a CEO, several second level executives and more reportees below each, but my purpose is this. The top slot is your first networking contact. Now this may be someone you know, someone you meet virtually through blogs or social media connections, or someone you meet at a live or virtual conference or seminar. Regardless, you begin with one person at the top in that top box. Then your next is to ask or invite that person to introduce you to other people. You can do that simply by asking directly, do you know anyone else you believe I should speak with? Or you may be a bit less direct. Is there anyone you would recommend I try to connect with? Or, and better, if you can work it organically into the conversation, that sounds very interesting. Who was in charge of that? I'd really like to speak with them. Is that perhaps someone you could help me with? Or best of all, well, that sounds like something I could help with. I'd be willing to speak with the person running that project if you think my perspective might be of some value to them. So you can ask directly, semi-directly, try to make it a natural next step to the, to the expansion of your knowledge and the conversation you're having, or turn it into an offer of help, support, or advice relative to your conversation. Now you've created a next, and hopefully more than one next. So you list those nexts on the line below the top person. When you speak with those people, make similar requests for each of them to provide you with another next. And as you can see, this chart begins to grow. Each person you speak with, you ask for three additional individuals to speak with and so on. Now, let me tell you the raw mathematics of this process. First, I tell my clients to anticipate needing to work through about six to eight levels or layers of this process. Think of yourself as, as moving vertically down this organizational chart, six to eight levels before actually landing a job or a client. A client, if you're geared towards consulting. So what does that equal if you are successful in this networking quest of creating next after next after next? Well, it's this. If every person you speak to introduces you to three more people, by the time you've networked yourself to the sixth level of contacts, you've spoken with 243 people. And by the eighth level, 2,187. Let me be clear, if you've talked with 2,000 people and you don't have a job, you may want to reconsider leaving medicine. 
even if you've talked with 243 people, you should have already experienced a pretty high level of success. However, it's unlikely you'll be 100% successful in your networking. So what if you're only 50% successful? That is only half the time do you get three referrals. Most of the time you get only one or two. Well, that adds up to eight new contacts at level six and 17 at level eight. And if you're even marginally better than a coin flip, say 60%, then you've probably made between 19 and 61 new contacts. But that's predicated on achieving success between what I refer to as those levels six through eight. There's no reason to stop if you're making progress. That is, if you're continuing to engage contacts willing to refer you to more people, but just not hitting a home run yet, you can do the math. By level 10, at 100%, you've talked to more than 19,000 people. And at 50%, 38, and at 60%, you've jumped to nearly 200. The bottom line is this. The fastest path to a new job is most likely networking. But networking is a process. It's not an event. You will need to have engaging, mutually beneficial conversations that lead continuously to more mutually valuable conversations. That is the point of networking. The currency of networking is simply more networking. The minute you begin asking for a job instead of asking for networking, well, you're begging and begging is not what you want to do. Regardless, I believe you can also see the power of inertia. Speaking effectively with new contacts creates an inertia. Telling people what you've learned on your networking journey, who else you've spoken with, what perhaps you've accomplished, all those things create an inertia that moves them to help you keep going. You're saying, I'm active, I'm doing things, I have met and helped interesting people, and I want to do more. I'm sure you're also realizing that to create all this positive inertia, the networking, the meetings, it is, as they say, all about you. It's actually all about you and all by you. Now, I realize today your career experiences outside of education and training have been mostly hands-off. You've responded to advertising, spoken with some recruiters, and generally relied on what I call responding versus creating. That is, you have responded to what you've seen or introductions by other people, whether other physicians or recruiters. Now, your focus needs to change. Now, only you can sell you, and you need to be selling a lot. But this is a different kind of selling. It's selling by informing. It's selling by educating. And it's selling simply by helping. It's not a simple quid pro quo. It's a complex process of creating networking relationships and turning those relationships into more relationships and then turning your relationships into actions and ultimately actions result in opportunities. Think of yourself not as seeking a job but rather as providing advice. You're consulting so to speak and the purpose of your consulting is to create interest. Interest in how you can help, interest in the problems you can solve. And now we've come full circle. You begin by starting conversations. You begin by literally seeking out anyone who would talk with you, anyone who will entertain your thoughts and your ideas, and your intention is to judge and gauge their interest in order to create more opportunities to speak with more people. And continually fine-tune your listening 
in order to open more doors. As doors open, your listening helps you diagnose the problems you're learning about, and that helps you shape your prescriptions, what and or how you would prescribe actions, changes, opportunities to address the problems you're learning about. And remember, you're not expected to respond with pinpoint precision. You're expected to show your ability to organize and analyze data and information and then show that your background and your experiences, your accomplishments, that they're portable. You want to show that the problems you've solved in exam rooms, in surgeries, in ERs, that the knowledge and experiences you have can solve problems in many different settings. That's your objective. So what's your takeaway? First, inertia is a vehicle. Once you find yourself face-to-face -face with the career path you want, it's up to you to convince those around you that you are a person who can solve challenging problems and create valuable opportunities. Now, a point of order. What I just said, that you can solve challenging problems and create valuable opportunities, let me speak to that statement in just a bit more detail. I speak with many physicians who tell me about their projects, new business ideas that they can create. Here is reality. Most often in business, at the starting point, solving old problems will be regarded as more valuable than creating new opportunities. Stop and think about that. The old problem is known. Its costs are known, and usually the value of solving it is known. Things we know are easier to address and easier to accept than things we don't. Creating new opportunities, well, that's usually the unknown, and we're less ready to embrace the unknown. Said another way, I have sat in hundreds of hospital and medical practice budgeting meetings. When trying to balance a budget, the first question is always, what can we cut? Never, not once have I heard someone lead with the question, how can we increase revenue to cover this shortfall? In other words, cutting expenses is solving a known situation. Increasing revenue is the unknown. So in your selling, think of solving existing problems first and creating that new and improved widget second. And let me stress, your selling is predicated on educating and on informing. It's not transactional. And realize the value of the advice, the information you offer, will be judged by when you're asked for more. You're asked how your advice will work. You're asked how you, yes you, how you would make the problem go away. When you're asked to do a job, you're one step away from having a job. So get moving, create your inertia, and be ready to sell your problem-solving talents. Once again, for Third Evolution Non-Clinical Careers for Physicians, this is Robert Pretty. For comments about this or any of my podcasts, don't hesitate to contact me directly at 720-339-3585. That's for voice, message, or text. And visit me online at www.thirdevo.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.